Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. A beautiful spring. Good morning. I'm looking outside my window and I am seeing the leaves coming out on the trees. And I'm also looking on my screen and seeing my friend, Faggy, <laughs> full of energies. How are you this morning? I look outside my window and I sneeze. <laughs> 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 but thanks to Dr. Kuzla, I got my advice before the show. Now I know what I need. Just come to deliver to my door. <laughs> well, why don't you actually share with our listeners what it is that you have to do? I actually was preparing. I didn't listen. What do you have to do for allergies? Because the rest of my family's got allergies. But Dr. Kuzla, would you like to share? Well, welcome. <laughs> well, first, let's say good morning, Dr. Kuzla. <laughs> morning. Let's hear from the doctor himself. Morning, <laughs> uh, I know. I know today we're supposed to be speaking about, about blood disorders, but let's have a quick, a, a quick uh, medical thing. What are we doing with all these allergies, Dr. Castle? Well, first of all, the allergy is a normal body reaction to a stimulus, to an antigenic stimulus. And those antigenic stimuli arise in the springtime from pollen, from glass, from everything else. You've got to try and block the, the, the site. And you've got to try and get the mucus that forms a result of this out of your nose. It's a basic principle. Don't block up the mucus in your nose. Get it flowing. And therefore use flow mist, flow saline, not ordinary saline. Ordinary saline will harden the mucus. The flow saline will keep it flowing. And use the flow saline all the time, as often as you like, and keep your nose clear, and then you'll be free of allergies. There you go. That was a free consultation to all our 101.9 <laughs> High FM listeners and to Peggy. We'll know where you are at 10 o'clock today. Um, <laughs> a warm, warm welcome to everybody. And today we are, as you can hear, we're having Dr. Castle on our show. And today we're going to be speaking about all things to do with blood. You know that uh, blood circulates throughout our entire body. Blood tells us a lot about our health. And we're going to try and understand those concepts today and understand certain disorders from Dr. Castle. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. So without further ado, Dr. Castle, the mic is yours. Let's have an introduction about blood, I guess. Well, what is my reason for choosing blood in the first place? Blood, my, this presentation follows closely on the previous presentations that I've done concerning the immune system. Because as you will see subsequently in the talk, the two are strongly intertwined. And the proper understanding of the immune responses of the body will enable us to understand the disorders that arise from blood. Blood is the elixir of life. For a long time, we as Jews have understood the significance of blood. 3,300 years ago, it formed a basis of our Kashrut laws and our laws of Nidal. And now the secular laws are catching, are catching up with the significance of blood. The talk will focus primarily on the three blood cell types namely the red blood cell, which primarily carries oxygen, 
the white blood cell, which primarily fights infection, and the platelet or clotting cell that primarily is responsible for the proper clotting of blood. The proper functioning of these cells is essential to life, and I will try to make the understanding of each of them a little clearer to you. Today's talk will focus on the red blood cell, and I apologize beforehand if it is a little too technical, but I will try to go slowly so that you understand fully what I have to say and pick out the pertinent points of the talk concerning the red blood cell as it applies to mommy and daddy. Red blood cell is primarily formed from cells, precursor cells in the bone marrow. And the red blood cells, when released into the circulation, normally have a lifespan of 90 days. They then end up disintegrating, and the two most important products that they disintegrate to are iron and bilirubin. Bilirubin is the jaundice pigment. This leads us to understanding of the most understanding of the most important symptoms and signs involving the red blood cell, namely anemia and jaundice. Anemia we will deal with first. As you will see subsequently, it is divided into three main types. The first type of anemia is hemolytic anemia a complicated word, but it simply means it's an anemia that arises from the premature destruction of red blood cells. They come out into the circulation. They don't live their full 90 days. They may only live a few minutes and they start getting destroyed. That's hemolytic anemia, one of the most important anemias in pediatric medicine. The second type of anemia is deficiency anemia. This is anemia which occurs where the essential building blocks of the red blood cell are deficient, namely iron and folic acid. But deficiency anemia can also arise where you have excessive blood loss from bleeding, wherever you may bleed, and you develop an iron deficiency and anemia. But the pediatric side of it and the adult side of it is completely different. Bleeding anemia is more is, is almost exclusively a condition of adults, where the first signs often of malignancies of the bowel, ulcerative conditions of the bowel, cancer of the bowel, is excessive blood loss from the bowel and you develop an iron deficiency anemia. It must always be taken notice of. Don't neglect to take notice of it. The anemia of childhood is a different type of anemia, as you will see. And then the third type of anemia is bone marrow-related anemia. You must remember from the talk that the bone marrow is the essential factory that produces the red blood cell, the white blood cell, and the platelet cell. And if the bone marrow becomes crowded out for any reason whatsoever by the abnormal proliferation of white blood cells, 
it affects immediately the other two cells, the clotting cells and the and the anemic and the red blood cells. There is also an anemia of the bone marrow that is related to the cells of the marrow being damaged by drugs. And this is a very important anemia that is rising today. As you will see on packages of medicines that you use, anemia marked as a side effect. And some of the most dangerous conditions, in fact, life-threatening conditions can arise from drugs that you take that may affect you and cause anemia and damage your cells in the bone marrow. If you go on taking these drugs, you may never recover. And finally, there is an anemia which is due to a congenital absence of the bone marrow, where congenitally you don't, in, during, uh, you don't form marrow or you form marrow insufficiently. This is known as aplastic or uh, hypoplastic anemia. This is unfortunately a very unfortunate condition occurring in children where repeated blood transfusions and suffering eventually lead to the demise of the child. You cannot correct this. They are trying to correct it today by marrow transplants and marrow infusions, but it's still a very serious condition. So yes, we must examine the three important anemias most close, more closely, and I will subsequently do this. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Kassel, and we're talking about blood and blood disorders. If you'd like to join us, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kasilski and Fagy Stern. And a reminder to all our listeners is that Faggy and I run a WhatsApp group where we drop just some thoughts about living more healthily every single day. It's not a spam uh, WhatsApp group. We welcome you to join us. You can send an email to info at chaifm.com and you can give us your name and your cell phone. Obviously, you have to have WhatsApp downloaded and we will gladly join you. Our community is growing and growing. And thank God we're getting incredible feedback that people are just changing small habits every single day and this way living much more healthy. Right, Dr. Kassel, we, we spoke about um, anemia. Where do you want to take it from now, from here? I want to go more fully into the various types of anemia that I've discussed. Hemolytic anemia occurs where the red blood cell does not live its normal length of time at 90 days, as we have said, and is destroyed prematurely. But remember that every red blood cell either has or has not got on it a specific protein marker on its membrane known as the neuresis protein. It's a little blob of protein. 85% of red blood cells in, in the human have the rhesus marker. And are said to, these people are said to be rhesus positive. 15% of individuals do not have the rhesus marker on their membrane and are said to be rhesus negative. This has led to one of the most important understanding of the most important conditions in, in certainly in newborn pediatrics, rhesus factor. To understand this more fully, you must also understand 
that there are specific markers on the red blood cells themselves, which define the blood group types. There is another protein marker which can occur defining the blood groups as O group, A group, B group, or AB group. The O group has no antigenic protein markers, and therefore it is the universal donor. You can give O blood to anybody in an emergency and nothing will happen. And in, in an emergency room, and I'd sort of have this, they have O negative blood, which they can administer without even compacting blood, and that blood will be tolerated by the patient they put it into, because it has no antigenic markers. But then you come to the A group, which is an antigenic protein marker on its surface. You come to the B group, which is an, which is an antigenic protein marker on its surface. And you come to the AB group, which has two antigenic protein markers on their surfaces. And it is these two things that help us to understand rhesus disease of the newborn and also ABO incompatibility, the two most important diseases causing neonatal jaundice. How does hemolytic disease and neonatal jaundice and anemia arise? The mechanism of hemolytic jaundice of the newborn is very easy to understand. Where you have a rhesus-negative mother who carries a rhesus-positive baby, the positivity rhesus factor being inherited from the father, you can get rhesus disease. Or where you have an O blood group mother who carries a baby with, with A cells, B cells, or AB cells derived from the father, you get ABO incompatibility. How does this arise? Because during the pregnancy, the blood of the baby crosses into the mother through the placental barrier. And if that blood is either rhesus positive in a rhesus negative mother, or AB or AB in an O mother, the mother's blood recognizes this as a foreign body and produces antibodies against those blood cells. In the baby, in the mother, the antibodies will do nothing, but then the antibodies recross the placenta, and that is where the trouble starts. They start to destroy the either the RH cells of the baby or the O or the A or the sorry or the A or the B or the AB cells of the baby and that leads to premature destruction of the red blood cells when is that, this happens is that, is, that a, is that a permanent thing or it will only happen with the blood that the baby has at that point in time well it, it's a permanent it's a permanent thing in that when you build up antibodies you go on producing the antibodies to that particular antigenic stimulus. That's why obstetricians after birth, where they have a rhesus sensitized 
pregnancy, they give the mother antiserum immediately that baby is born to prevent further pregnancies from producing antibodies. It was it's what's been said in our talks on in the immune system. Never forget that when you stimulate the immune system, it doesn't necessarily stop. Mm. It goes on producing antibodies. And so the mother what... getting antibodies from the one pregnancy can pass it on to another baby, even if they don't have the blood barrier problem. What if the baby doesn't have the problem, it won't do anything to the baby. But if the baby has a problem a second time or a third time, you'll end up with a disaster because the jaundice will get more and more severe. The baby may even die in utero, which is what used to happen, where the rhesus sensitization was so bad that it killed off the baby before it was born. But let me inter interject over here and if, tell our listeners that if they remember nothing else from this talk, nothing whatsoever, just remember that before you get married, with all the discussions you've got to go into, know your blood group and know your husband's blood group and tell it to everybody because it is very, very important. Because if these things are known, all the subsequent complications that we're going to talk about can be prevented, that they've got to be known in the first place. It's no good waking up on the third day after a baby's born and suddenly realize, oh, my baby is yellow. What must I do? And then what's the father's blood group? We don't know. Let's find out what the father's group is. You find out he was A, and then you've got an ABA incompatibility. And when you only find out on the third day, you'll end up with that baby under the lights for 14 to 21 days. If you find out at birth, you won't end up with a baby under the lights at all. So is interesting. That, my first two children had jaundice. My third one was the worst. Was worse. Much worse than the first two. Well, that's because it wasn't in, in, it wasn't uh, diagnosed properly in the first one or two pregnancies. You could have had a blocking antibody to block the antibody, and then you wouldn't have had jaundice. Wow. Well, that's anyway. listeners out there, please listen clearly because this kind of information is so important to know when having babies. Because, I mean, as you say, knowing information can really prevent so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 had we had a, a, an uncle in the family. He was he was O negative, and I don't know what his wife was, but they were told never to have children because of this rhesus factor. I'm talking maybe uh, 70, 80 years ago. Um, you know, they, they never, ever had kids. I, I know one of my, my family members, one of my kids, um, my, my, my daughter-in-law um, has it, and, and they do. They follow the protocol of, of injecting the mother, et cetera, et cetera, and everything's been fine. And I think that's what, what, what you're saying, Dr. Kassel, is vitally important, is that just be informed. Know what it is that, that, that you know, that what is your blood uh, status because you can, you know, fix up things before they get out of hand. Yeah, it comes back to our old story. Take a proper history and know what it is, as you're saying. And uh, if you haven't made the diagnosis by that stage, you will never make the diagnosis. It's what we keep saying in all our talks, take a proper history. Right, now, right. when the blood cell gets, gets, gets destroyed, it tends to release a dangerous toxic pigment called indirect bilirubin. This is the Greek 
the, the great hoo-ha that goes on with jaundice. And if this toxic pigment is not dealt with timelessly, it can cause damage to the brain cells of the baby. And this is the basis of our current concern for jaundice of the newborn. But with modern technology and prevention, this type of jaundice can be fully understood and prevented. Let me explain again. Any O positive mother <clears throat> or rhesus negative mother, any O mother or rhesus negative mother, that status in her must be known at the start of the pregnancy. And as important as this is, it is important to know the husband's status. If there is a rhesus positivity in the husband and a rhesus negativity in the mother, that's a danger signal. If there is an O situation in the mother and the baby is A or B or AB, that's another dangerous signal. So how can we prevent all this? It's done very simply. As that baby gets born, whether it's born by cesarean section or normal birth by the midwife or by Genesis or whoever delivers the baby, take a cord blood. Don't neglect to do the cord blood because you already know the mother's, mother's grouping. You take the cord blood and it will tell you before you start doing Bali Rubens and calling in the visiting nurse and pricking the baby a hundred times for nothing. Your cord blood will tell you that the baby is rhesus positive, the mother's rhesus negative, and therefore look out. The cord blood will tell you the mother is O, the baby is A, B or AB. Look out. Don't wait for the jaundice to develop. If it's an ABO incompatibility, put that baby under the lights from birth onwards, and by the second or third day, the jaundice will be a thing of the past. And if it's a rhesus factor, then, of course, if you give the anti-serum at birth and know that they're rhesus antibodies, that mother will never build up antibodies in subsequent pregnancies. The rhesus anti-serum is freely available. So I hope you've understood this. I've taken a long time to explain it, but it is so important. And just try to remember what I've told you. The other type of hemolytic jaundice of the newborn is where the baby is born with an abnormally shaped red blood cell, which breaks down prematurely. These are usually autosomal recessive inherited diseases. And Baruch Hashem, it has left the Jewish population alone. It's mainly in the Greek population, the Asian population, and the Indian population. The diseases are known as thalassemia, sickle cell anemia, and congenital spherocytosis. It does occur in the Jewish population, but it is very, very rare, and therefore we won't dwell on it. Its first presenting features are obviously hemolytic jaundice of the newborn of unknown origin and subsequent iron deficiency anemia. We come to our second group of anemias, the deficiency anemias. These are very common in childhood and are due to a lack of sufficient iron and folic acid in the baby. Normally, the baby derives its iron from the iron reserves in the mother. And if it's a premature baby, iron reserves have not had time to build up in the mother. 
So every premature baby should be started with iron supplementation at birth. Not when you suddenly wake up at three months and see the baby looking like a white sheet and suddenly decide that it needs iron. At birth in a premature baby and continue with the iron for six to 12 months. In an artificially fed baby, likewise, don't wait longer than six weeks and give iron supplementations and folic acid. In a breastfed baby, the argument persists, but there's no need to have an argument about it. Even breastfed babies can sometimes have depleted iron reserves because the iron reserves in the mother were not adequate. And if this was the case, then give the ba breastfed baby iron and vitamin supplements as well, usually from the, uh, the third month onwards, not usually before that. The other deficiency anemia, as we have said, is due to excessive blood loss. In children, pediatrics, this is hardly a factor. You very rarely get bleeds from the bowel in children, but you certainly get them in adults and you get them in the life-threatening conditions such as cancer of the bowel, cancer of the colon, cancer of the cecum, cancer of the stomach, cancer of the small intestine, colitis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, all those conditions present with blood loss. And it's a blood loss anemia that's the presenting factor, an iron deficiency anemia. And finally, we come <clears throat> to our bone marrow-related anemias. This, again, is an anemia with the space in the bone marrow where these vital cells get formed is taken up by abnormally growing cells. In other words, malignant cells. It's very simply a tumor of the white blood cells in your bone marrow. In other words, the leukemias, the uh, lymphomas, Hodgkin's disease, myelomas, and all your blood-related malignancies which affect the bone marrow. But remember, there are clear signals of what happens when the white blood cells start. Uh, they want, we just... <laughs> Finish your sentence. When, when, when the blood, white blood cells start proliferating, they crowd out the space and the first space they crowd out is the space where the red blood cells proliferate. And therefore, you present with an anemia long before anything else. Then the space gets crowded out where the clotting cells proliferate. And you present with bruising all over the body. And then the space gets taken up by abnormal white blood cells who can't do their function and you present with infections. Just to complete this, I'm sorry, I have to complete it. Remember, if you remember nothing else from this talk today as well, that if the mother says to you, has my child got leukemia? And that's a common question from mothers because it's got glands and it looks pale now. Has it got leukemia? You can confidently say, if the child is not anemic, it will not have leukemia. 
there you have it there you have it and we actually got a beautiful comment that's just come in um i don't know from who but it said dr castle was the registrar when i was an intern at the children's hospital he was then and still is my ideal of what a doctor should be and i agree with that too this is 101.9 high fm this is the healthy you wealthy you show with adol kasilski and fagi stern we had another question coming in i hope that i understand it um it said that recently in canada somebody was given antibodies three times before giving birth to their first child does that make sense given antibodies yes i think i'm understanding the question right it says why was someone given antibodies three times before giving birth to her first child apparently yeah, because today a, a, a substance has been derived from blood called polygam polygam is an antibody blocker it prevents antibodies from proliferating and where you've got an uncontrolled jaundice or uncontrolled antibodies you can use polygam that that is quite correct that statement is correct and it's being used here in south africa for the treatment of resistant cases of newborn jaundice but you shouldn't even reach that stage right right okay so can i please ask we were talking about anemia and leukemia were you are you saying that basically if someone you can't have leukemia without being first anemic i am saying that but nothing in life is impossible i can only say that in my 60 years of doing this i've never ever seen a leukemia that's not also firstly anemic and secondly bruising So my, my next question would be that if if a person first of all should people be testing constantly what like their iron levels and then would a child that's been born with jaundice constantly need to be testing their iron levels no because the the, the child that's born with jaundice it depends on the cause of the jaundice if it was a congenital jaundice like thalassemia or serocytosis or sickle cell anemia yes you've got to keep watching the iron because the cells will keep on being broken down but if you've had a hemolytic jaundice of the newborn with rh or abo that will stop it goes away mm-hmm. provided you don't allow it to recur by your blocking methods it's never a problem again okay when we, can we move on to the white blood cells because our time is running out yeah i i, I realize that <laughs> so again we say that if you remember nothing else from today's talk remember about the blood groups in mummy and daddy but also remember the significance of anemia never ever ignore anemia the knowledge of what causes the anemia will often save the child unnecessary painful diagnostic procedures such as bone marrow examination which is a painful procedure which gets done sometimes and if they would only bear in mind that in leukemias it's usually the anemia and the cl- and the bruising that comes first we don't let me qualify it over here because just now one of us will end up being sued because somebody had a, a, a leukemic child they didn't have anemia and bruising and it was only diagnosed subsequently it's not impossible but it's highly unlikely 
I would say that 99% of all cases of blood malignancy, blood cancers, present with anemia first. And, and again, if you remember nothing else, remember that. Okay, let's now, get on to the white blood cells. The white blood cells. The, the other bone marrow-related anemias are the important anemias of drugs. I can't go into this because there's a limitation of time. But there is an endless list of drugs that can cause suppression of red cell regeneration in the marrow. And you've got to be very, very careful of this. And always look on the, the package insert to check whether anemia is a warning and check with your doctor that it's safe to use it. Finally, we get to the condition of congenital aplastic anemia or hyperplastic anemia, where the child is born with a malformed or absent bone marrow and cannot form proper blood cells. This is an unfortunately a condition which until recently we could do nothing about. But as the, world, the, the medical world develops, we are doing something about it. They can do bone marrow transplants just as they do it in the leukemias, and they can do it in this condition as well and save the child years of, of unnecessary suffering. But it is a very expensive exercise. So to conclude, and I, I will subsequently follow up with the white cells and platelet cell abnormalities, which are just as interesting, but to conclude the red blood cells abnormality, they are responsible for some of the most important conditions in pediatric medicine, namely hemolytic jaundice of the newborn, which we have discussed, RH and ABO incompatibility, and its subsequent effects in causing anemia, and more importantly, jaundice. Deficiency anemias, which in children is mainly iron deficiency anemia in the baby in the first year of life. And the bone marrow-related anemias, which are due to the bone marrow being in, infiltrated by abnormally proliferating malignant cells, your blood dyscrasias, your leukemias, your lymphomas, your Hodgkin's, all these conditions. And finally, just to end up, anemia is a sign and symptom in pediatric medicine, which you ignore at your peril. Don't ever miss or ignore the diagnosis of anemia. Find okay. out what is causing it. So can I just ask you a question? Like I, I, I know from, 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 from my days of, of, of being pregnant that doctors would always give you supplements of, of iron and of folic acid to take while, while, you are, while, you're, while you're pregnant. Does that, that will obviously affect the newborn. It does. You see, the, what, the reason the doctor does that is it's today known that a lot of mothers with Western diets are born with deficient iron reserves in their liver. And therefore, the reason for the doctor doing that is to build up the iron reserves in the mother so that her iron remains high, that the iron remains high in the breast milk and folic acid. And if she breastfeeds, that baby will be protected. That's why a newborn, a breastfed baby that has been handled properly in the pregnancy very, very seldom needs iron and vitamin supplementations. 
it's the natural way of overcoming these problems. And that's why they give iron and folic acid during the pregnancy. Okay, this is 101.9 High FM. We are speaking to Dr. Cussell, and this is the Healthy You, Wealthy You program. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Just as a quick wrap up, Dr. Cussell, you know, we, we talk about obviously supplementation. What type of foods can someone eat that, 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 that are rich in iron? and rich in folic acid, like, you know, we, we like to be healthy on the show. The red meats, liver, uh, the green vegetables, and citrus, all high in iron. Things like cabbage, cauliflower, peas, beans, broccoli. And if you do eat red meat, then certainly the red meats, but not the blood-containing ones. So, you know, that's why we put salt in cushering our food, we take the blood out and that removes a lot of uh, things. But uh, the kashrut laws uh, do this, but they're necessary from other points of view. We can discuss this one day. And just before I forget, can I just thank this doctor that I taught as a registrar? I'm still trying to juggle my brain around to try and work out who it is that's still practicing today when I was a registrar. But anyway, thank you very much, and your your comments are much appreciated. I will just let you know that I am writing a book, which I hope to publish if Hashem keeps me on this earth long enough, and it'll embrace all these little talks and things that I've done and the lectures I've given to students, and hopefully it will be of use to newborn, uh, to mothers generally who are bringing up children. I have no doubt that it is definitely going to be a handbook. You know, move away, Dr. Spock. Here comes Dr. Castle. <laughs> <laughs> and thank, thank you, you, Dr. Castle. So many of us really benefit from you daily. So thank you for everything you do. And, and, and thank you to, to our listeners. Somebody else went unbelievable, Dr. Castle. Thank you. That was from Karen Oshry. And uh, we are really, really grateful that you give of your time. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. Again, if you'd like to join our WhatsApp group, it's you can send an, uh, an email to info at highfm.com with your name and your number. And we'll gladly remind you that you need to eat your vegetables every day because they're rich in iron. Thank you, Fagy, for, uh, for uh, always attending and always putting together these shows. And, Thank you uh, so much, Adol. It's always a pleasure. We will be back again with another show. If there's anything, by the way, that you want to talk about, please send an, either an email to info at highfm.com. But if you have our cell numbers, then let Faggy and I know. We're always, always wanting to bring you more information on how to remain healthy. This is 101.9 High FM.